Hi, this is Bill Watkins. Poetique, volume three, four. <laughs> it really doesn't matter. Life is good. I hope you're well. Sobriety is a gift. I uh, just enjoy it. Life gets better. That's just my opinion. I uh, don't re- don't recommend drinking the flammable liquid, but if it's in your life, somehow it works. Jeez, I guess go for it. The Rastafarian smoke the pot. You do what you do. I almost died from it all. So I stopped. Life and death. There's a physical life and death. There's a spiritual life and death. Okay, I'm going to stop right there. Anyways, I wrote a poem today called The Spirit World. I wanted today in my intro, I want to make sure I invite people to come onto this poetique podcast, talk about poetry and your life and whatnot. I invited one poet, female poet, this week to somehow come onto this. And she said, I don't know. <laughs> so I'm alone for now, but am I? So I did my comedy show last week, 10 minutes on a all-star variety night at the Ice House in Pasadena. I recorded several other comics myself. I might put that at the end just for fun. I'll read some poetry. I have whatever out here. I think I have Robert Frost, the poetry of. I've highlighted favorite ones that I like. But I did want to, well, say a few words about poetry. (laughs) I enjoy it. But I think that, and I'm not going to be as long as the last uh, podcast went over an hour. Not many people tuned in. So... Not just because of that, but I'm just going to try a shorter one, I think. Who knows? But uh, I've been reflecting on what makes good poems to me, good poetry. One of the factors, I mean, I, I, write, I write poetry. It comes from sort of a spiritual thing, like I prayed for poetry to come in my life, and it came through my dreams. Some people start young. I started at 23, not so young uh, to, to begin necessarily. Um, I guess we all write for different reasons. But I, I read poems a lot through a lot of books. I highlight favorite poems sort of to include on the podcast or maybe to try to publish on my little website, uh, travelingpoet.net. Check it out. Uh, not easy to acquire rights sometimes, but sometimes I'm able to p- publish some other people's poems. I'm sorry? I'm doing my podcast right now. I live with someone. Hey, what are you going to do? So, um, I hope that wasn't rude. Now... So whatever, uh, I read a lot of poems I was trying to say before I heard some weird noise. Um, what stands out recently would be a characteristic of a poem 
I call surprise. Does it surprise you? Does Do the words jump, jump off the page, surprise, wor- words, verbs, adjectives, chosen, you wouldn't have chosen. It came from somewhere else. What the, what the, that I did not expect. I think we like that. I think human beings, we like that. We like that in our stories. We like that in our jokes here on the comedy stage. We like that in our sermons, if we're listening to someone. Uh, our lectures, we're trying to learn something. Well, learning, is it's that's kind of a surprise, right? It's all kind of new, it excites the neurons, it's exciting. Those make great poems. And I think great poems... Jesus. Yeah. I got interrupted again. So I moved in in a secluded, secure area. The war zone. Not as comfortable chair, but we're going to get to work. Now, surprise. Jumping off the page. Words that, that teach you something. Certainly inspire you. But why and where do great poems come from? Jerry Seinfeld was asked once, where does he get his jokes, the good ones? (laughs) Ideas for jokes or jokes. He paused. He looked at the camera. He thought about it. But he didn't because he knew he was just trying to fashion it in a way he didn't sound like too much of a jerk. He said, from God, I get my good stuff from God. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, some, from something higher power, something great. If it, if it was really great, it kind of came from a higher place. Those are the poems I read that I love, that I highlight. I love probably about 20% of the poems that I read. I don't know, just a rough figure. Yeah, so... There you go. I'm going to just start reading Robert Frost, the highlighted ones. See, the ones that I love. (coughs) Now I'm coughing. There was a roommate coughing. (coughs) But I think my coughing comes from from, uh, eating an apple. a little while back that's me drinking water every once in a while you eat an apple a little bit of the skin kind of goes down the wrong way or not quite like peanuts peanuts anyone yeah so eating peanuts bound to get some caught in your throat here and there would that be fun Let's just talk about peanuts let's get going all right i have a poem i wrote today that i like <laughs> i'm biased so i'm going to start with robert frost i'm going to go through his the poetry of robert frost all 11 of his books complete <laughs> hardback 
Phew. Most distracting night ever. Alright, look at Robert Frost. Hardback. This full collection here. Originally. 1969. Anyways. This is fair use. Jeez. I've been really good about checking for rights to post on my website. But can we enjoy poems? I think any time, just about. Not making money, money, am I? Not really. Anywho, um, my first highlighted one I have is Rose. Rose Peconias. Whose eyes are failing. I'm 46 years old. My eyes aren't. As good as they used to be. It's a bummer. So I highlighted rose begonias. Robert Frost. A saturated meadow, sun-shaped and jewel-small. A circle scarcely wider than the trees around were tall. Where winds were quite excluded and the air was stifling sweet. With the breath of many flowers, a temple of the heat. There we bowed us in the burning, as the sun's right worship is, to pick where none could miss them a thousand orchises. For though the grass was scattered, yet every second spear seemed tipped with wings of color that tinged the atmosphere. We raised a simple prayer before we left the spot that in the general mowing that place might be forgot or if not all so favored obtain such grace of ours that none should mow the grass there while so confused with flowers it's a freaking great poem <laughs> that's why a lot of people like mr robert frost rest in peace that's a snapshot. They say he was a bad farmer for nine or ten years, but wrote poems like this while being a bad farmer. So thank God for his efforts to being a farmer, right? Rose Peconias. Oh. So... Surprising. Kind of reminded me of Longfellow a little bit because he had meter and rhyme going so perfectly and yet maintained truth and surprise and excitement. If you or I try to meter and rhyme, some may, may go okay. I tried for a while to, to be metered and rhymed and I couldn't get truth out real real good, so I just didn't do that. I don't do that much. A little bit, but not too little. Like Longfellow to me had a gift for classic meter and rhyming and being able to just, it was all just kind of perfect, some of his poems. Which means I need to get Longfellow out and show what, what I feel is kind of perfect meter rhyme plus truth and excitement and coaching and inspiration. Um, and I said inspiration, right? I mean, 
Let's look at look at Longfellow. I have a couple books. Selected poems. I have a few. Where are the contents? No contents. I um I got an old volume, 1905 or something like that. Careful buying Longfellow books because most have small print and you go back early 1900s collections, different things, such like small print books. So if you're not into that, um, beware. All right, let's see here. So I'm picking up Longfellow. Add to the Robert Frost. I'm sort of a fool for three big characters, and it might sound cliched to just be have a favorite as these three dudes. I'm a dude poet. Poet in English is William Shakespeare, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, and Robert Frost, but they're kind of just core because for me they're the three most consistently uh, consistently awesome poets. Each poem, just quality. Longfellow busted out with his first book. I have like a facsimile of it. And of course it's got tiny print. Not a fan of that. But uh, in that first Voices of the Night that he put out, he put out a psalm of life. And uh, I've memorized a lot of it and a lot of Longfellow poems, uh, stanzas and whatnot, but I I really have just memorized three great poems. <laughs> to recite, <laughs> two Shakespeare sonnets and, the, and Robert Frost, The Road Not Taken. And I perform those and I enjoy those. And I don't try to memorize full poems. After that, I like my three. <laughs> I like the three guys I like. Am I a sexist enjoyer of poetry? I don't know. I think guys are attracted to guy poets. And ladies are attracted to lady poets, possibly. I love some lady poetry and lady poets as well, but um, I don't know, I need my coach, I need my guides and my coaches to guide me to be the best man I can be sometimes. Some, some of life, okay, are you ready to wake up? I mean, get off the bed, stop being depressed if you're depressed, because Longfellow will call you. He'll call you up almost as good as like a, oh, like a Jesus or something. Great words and great inspiration. Tell me not. Ah, can, should I do Longfellow for you? Well, it's as an example of, of meter rhyme and, and, and poignant words, truthful words, all blending together like Robert Frost just did in Rose Begonia's. Tell me not in mournful numbers. Life is but an empty dream. It needs to be yelled, this poem. So I don't know if it's going to work unless I yell. 
For the soul is dead that slumbers, and things are not what they seem. Life is real, life is earnest, and the grave is not its goal. Dust thou art, to dust returnest, was not spoken of the soul. Not enjoyment and not sorrow is our destined end or way, but to act that each tomorrow find us farther than today. Art is long and time is fleeting, and our hearts, though stout and brave, still like muffled drums are beating, funeral marches to the grave. In the world's broad field of battle, in the bivouac of life, be not like dumb driven cattle, be a hero in the strife. Trust no future, however pleasant. Let the dead past bury the dead, bury its dead. Act, act in the living present, heart within and God overhead. Lives of great men all remind us we can make our lives sublime and departing leave behind us footprints on the sands of time, footprints that perhaps another, sailing o'er life's solemn main, a forlorn and shipwrecked brother, seeing, shall take heart again. Let us then be up and doing with a heart for any fate. Still achieving, still pursuing, learn to labor and to wait. Poets try and try, and they write and write, and we do our best into the night. No, I just felt like just trying to make a couplet or something. Longfellow will make you want to rhyme and meter. But uh, anyways, poets will try and we will spend careers and or, you know, all this time and effort trying to write a great poem. That was a, that's a great poem, Psalm of Life. It's coaching. It's life coaching. I think he was a lot. I think he was an early life coach. Helped me. I was in a hospital. I was in a psych ward being called to, I had overdosed on prescribed medication. I was bedeviled and thought doctors and medication would have an answer for depression. Turned out I was just an alcoholic. But at that time, I was just kind of, I was fiddling around like, well, what can I do? How can I feel good? I feel weird. Didn't know that just, just not drinking alcohol, just counting sober days and being sober, and uh, learning how to organize single days, one day at a time, was all I needed to do. Be grateful, wake up, make a schedule for the day, prayer, live a great, the best day I can, live my dreams uh, that, you know, that can be done, the things that I can do, that I have the finances for, whatever it is. Live that great day hope you have a roof over your head at the end of it, some sort of warmth. Say thanks and uh, chalk it up. It's another sober day. Oh, how did I get into that? Well, Longfellow was with me in one of those hospital stays. Um, they were calling patients to the workout room, I forget what they call it, activities room, to physical exercise or something like that. 
I remember several times in a row just saying, no, I don't want to go. They asked, they knocked on the door. Are you coming? No, I was just working on Longfellow. Writing out these words from Psalm of Life. The Builders. The Builders is a good one as well. Check it out. So Longfellow Frost you know, went for smart meter and rhyme every once in a while. But I don't, Frost isn't known for that. Kind of a, a little bit. He's kind of a bridge between Frost to me, between sort of a classic style and a modern style, modernist, modern style of free verse and doing whatever the heck you want, experimental. doesn't really matter. Great is great. doesn't matter what style it's in. If it speaks to you, for me, again, like I open with, if it surprises you, pumps you up, excites, teaches, there's learning and exchange going on. Good enough for me. So I promise one poem of myself. I wrote this today, having tried to make contact with a neat poet, Irish poet, lady, and pen name Sarah Berkeley. I think her name is Sarah something else. Forgive me. <laughs> the work isn't in front of me right now, but she's neat. And you know, if you're gonna, you want to look at regional poetry and you're wondering where a great block of poetry might be, you might just put your finger down on the map where it says Ireland. It's incredible, the beauty of Irish poetry. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. And you open up a chapter, you might have to read. So Sarah is one of those. But it's rich in history as well. It should be. It's Ireland. They, uh, they, it's poetic, it's beautiful, it's green, it rains, and it's beautiful. Ireland. Oh, I didn't mark this book up yet. Oh, but I have an answer for that. Come on, Bill, fire up. Hooked on poetry. Before I looked into rights for publishing rights, <laughs> I was naive several years ago to compile a book called Hooked on Poetry. I thought I would sell this book. I'm like, what the? And I was using other people's poems, just straight up Robert Frost. You know, here I have sections, Spanish poems, African-American, the Irish. But I'm glad I, wrote, I compiled the book anyway, so I have it on my computer. I can look at poems that I love. Um, Thomas McGreevy. Oh, man. Writing stuff I can't even say because some of it is uh, Celtic. I, uh, Austin Clark, Padraig Fallon, Anthony Cronin, Richard Kell, Desmond O'Grady, Alain Nietzsche. <laughs> Someone's laughing at me. I can't say her name. I think it's her. Even Boland is famous. Sarah Berkeley. 
who I've interacted with, uh, hi Sarah, if you're listening, <laughs> interacted with uh, email was, was get trying to get rights, and she's allowed me to publish one of her poems called Emergence. Um, I don't even know where I originally found it. It was in a 2005 release from her, and I put it on my website. It'll be on there. Just check my website. Like two poems down. Oh no, I published. Oh no, it's pretty. It might not. It might be older than that because I prepared it a long time ago. Emergence by Sarah Berkeley. Sarah with without the H. And I, I I decorated that this week, and she allowed me. She said, "Yeah, just put copyright to me and give the publisher credit." So that was nice, lovely, in fact. And and we've gone back and forth. She's she's kind of says, "Yeah, I don't really like talking about poetry. I'm not that into it, talking about it." But she's just a great poet, and no surprise, it's from this tradition. I hate to pigeonhole someone, but group people necessarily too much but she's got she's freaking irish man and they make great poem it's like effortless oh yeah yeah i was gonna compare it to something i don't know what beautiful golf swing i don't know i was watching golf today but it's really beautiful and uh how can i back that up but just by um <laughs> Let's see, Hooked on Poetry. The Irish. Oh boy. Let's see. Let's just get let's get one up there. I mean I've got Sarah's, but it's on the website and I hope she comes on my podcast. Okay. Okay. Page fourteen. So I have a book, Contemporary Contemporary Irish Poetry. Really good. Well, I'm bragging. I'm just like bragging about Irish poets now because it doesn't really matter. Just, I suppose there's some bad ones out there too, but holy moly. Uh, just, I'm going to try the first one. Thomas McGreevy, De Civitate Hominum. It's Latin. Should I look it up or just keep going? Have fun. To A.S. The morning sky glitters winter blue. The earth is snow white with the gleam. Snow white answers to sunlight, save where shell holes are new. Black spots in the whiteness, a Matisse ensemble. The shadows of whitened tree stumps are another white, and there are white bones. Zillebeck Lake and Hooch, ice gray gleam differently, like the silver shoes of the model. The model is our world, our bitch of a world. Those who live between wars may not know, but we who die between pieces, whether we die or not, it is very cold, and what with my sensations and my spick and span subalterns uniform. I might be the famous brass monkey, the nature mort accessory mort. Tis still life that lives, not quick life. There are fleece white flowers of death that unfold themselves prettily about an airman who high over Gelovelt. 
is taking a morning look round, all silk and silver up in the blue. I hear the drone of an engine and soft pounding puffs in the air as the fleece white flowers unfold. I cannot tell which flower he has accepted, but suddenly there is a tremor, a zigzag of lines against the blue, and he streams down into the white, a delicate flame, a stroke of orange in the morning's dress. My sergeant says very low, Holy God, tis a fearful death. Holy God makes no reply yet. So some pain in that one, some war by Thomas McGreevy. I try to give it accent. I just... Try to pump one out and another one. It's got to be a place. Shoot, you should research before you podcast, Bill. Iod Road, <laughs> a domino. I don't know. It's a, it must be a place. Let's see if anything speaks. Wandahuni, the priest said, it's Spanish, I guess. Each J becoming H. Baruget, he said, and the G was aspirate. <laughs> I hope I won't be too hard this poem. Jimenez, he said then, and aspirated first and last. But he never said, and it seemed odd, he never had heard the aspirated name of the centuries dead, bright-haired young man, whose grave I sought. All day I passed in greatly built gloom from dustily gilt tomb. Marvelously wrought to tomb, rubbing at moldy inscriptions with fingers wetted with spit and asking where I might find it, and failing. Yet when unhurried, not as at home where heroes hanged are buried, with non-commissioned officers bored, maledictions quickly in the gaol yard, they brought his blackening body here to rest. Princes came walking behind it, and all Valladolid, Valladolid, I've got to study, sorry, knew and out to Simancas, all knew where they buried Red Hugh. Well, shoot, I'm thinking Spanish Civil War, but I, I, I'm not sure, and darn it, I should study. I'm trying to get the voice more than the all the details. Well, it's a dark poet, isn't he? <laughs> I start, <laughs> and it's and there's plenty of dark times to talk about in poetry and in Ireland. And it's not all dark. A lot of nature poems, but um, hmm. Anyways. I want to try to find a higher note with him. Let's see here. For McGreevy, it wasn't all like death, but I mean, I applaud the truth. The truth brings you to a graveyard looking for a tomb, stone, and... (sighs) That gentleman went through war, and I will study him. Between now and next podcast, I'll know more. Just jumped in. 
recessionals on my list, so whew, we'll see if I can try another. Thomas McGreevy. In the bright, broad Swiss glare, I stand listening to the outrageous roars of the Engelbergara as it swirls down the gorge, and I think I am thinking of Roderick Hudson, but as I stand, time closes over sight and sound is drowned by a long silvery roar from the far ends of memory of a world I have left, and I find I am thinking, supposing I drowned now, this tired, tiresome body before flesh creases, flesh creases further, might, recovered, go, fair, to be laid in St. Lactans, where, near where once, in tender, less glaring island days and ways I could hear, where listeners still hear that faraway dear roar, the long, silvery roar of Mal Bay. Okay. Life is good. Surprise. Surprise, surprise. I want to read all my favorite poems, and I'm going to study more. I'm a little embarrassed. I don't know. The, I'm going to look these up. All right. So the one I wrote today, I'm compiling a book called Sacred Poetry by Bill Watkins. I have lots of books. I think I have 50 now for sale on Amazon. You should buy one. They're good. I wrote one called The Spirit World today. Woke up with it. Best ideas come in the morning for me, I think. Out of my dreams or close to them. Imagining a day, a good one. I had an idea to write something about surprise after reading Sarah Berkeley's poems, and I emailed her about her poems and how the words and lines surprised me. Each one, you know, that what a great quality that is. It's great in interaction, it's great in conversation to be surprised, and it's great reading a poem to be surprised, I think. Like, wow, <laughs> I guess I already went over that. So I thought I was going to write maybe something about surprise. I put it in my notes yesterday, last night, and then woke up with the idea I may feel like I may be moving far away someday soon. And it occurred to me all at once, is that of an almost half dream? Well, what would mom say to that? Mom, you know, how would she feel <laughs> um, if I was far away? And I was half dream. I was half sleeping, half awake, imagining this concept of spirit world and how not as important the physical world is than having, having that love and that idea of a person close to you versus the physical proximity of a person. And I guess trying to sell that to my mom, I was thinking of how I would sell that and be okay with with a physical uh, distance. And made me think of the spirit world. So I had the two concepts, the spirit world and surprise, which would win out in a poem this morning. 
and I had them both together for a minute. But the spirit world was more poetic to me. And that's all I'm going to say because it's kind of dumb talking about your poems too long. <laughs> Better to just maybe read them, see if they work. Spirit world. Shh. Hold your tongue, they say, and we listen as far as ourselves report it's good. Gong go the seasons, one, two, three, and four. Gone when the dance ends. Come, friends, let's see if there's a surprise with me at the beginning. You're free to disagree with anything. The country is the world. The world, a word, and words, like Borges said, are fictions. Lao Tzu warning against the false Tao, but then he wrote 81 poems anyway. Come, read to me some poem, some Longfellow-like lullaby to truth and rhyme, meter, or free to decorate a page or brains, the, Im the imaginary road to realms near, far, wondering what we are until we, we unite in song. This is not surprising. So we trek on and on and on until there is a fact in the grass. The sweetest dream known by labor, Robert, Robert Frost failing as farmer as his pen and types did succeed. Truth is a beautiful weed. There, we may have surprised in that one. Up goes the crowd as the Olympian crosses the threshold where pain becomes a second wind. He or she reaching to a higher place as they round the final corner. Look at him go. Women on the rise, coming to the top. Restrictions fall, being good to us all. Those in control will not be someday. So they hold and hold and hold long as they can. Truth dawns after the rain in colors, the drench like a fire in reverse, getting us wet and cleared of doubt. We cannot deny the facts now, Donald, Ricky, Bobby, and Mike. If you do, tell her you like. God or higher power or native great spirit, this morning shower, be with us. Fill us with the dream that is a co-opted walk, a lonely trail joined by shadows until real. There's another surprise, the wind bringing change, which is the hope over pain. We let all seasons pass until at one with the difference. We egg on diversity in the sunshine that was the sad storm of previous clouds, blocks, and ignorance. We cannot know until we know, which is why an appeal to spirit works. <sighs> if reading and unsure, stop now. Shh. Pray. There you are. That was... The Spirit World by me, Bill Watkins. How vain I'm reading my own stuff. It's so vain. <laughs> I liked it, though. 
And if it's good, maybe it was inspired. Maybe it was from something or somewhere else. Maybe if you ask God or higher power, spirit, for something, you do receive. I asked for poetry in 1995, traveling through Mexico. Asked, like a child. God, can you give me poetry? Took a few weeks, but I got it from dreams. I asked for a sense of humor. Got it for my health. Eventually, I went on the comedy stage, gave it a go. Still still giving it a go. I thought I might retire this week <laughs> again, but I'm still going. I've got some ideas, which Seinfeld said come from God. He must be right. I love you guys. It's been fun. We'll throw on some comedy at the end of this after uh, some advertisement, perhaps. Thank you. This next guy is from Pasadena. Anybody here from Pasadena? Yeah? Oh, all right. Uh, please welcome Bill the Comet. Screw your ass. <laughs> and they're like, whoa, bro. Uh, Rick, are, are you a fag? And I'm like, okay, um, I'm Rick from the Valley. I don't let people talk to me that way, okay? So, <laughs> thanks, Lou. My name is William. You can call me William or Bill. I, I'm not Rick. I was just joking around. How are you guys doing? I like to joke. Hey, I was here six years ago. This night uh, was my last time doing comedy on stage for a bunch of people. I call myself the comment because I'm bright, I'm fast, I don't come around very often. And it's true, I'm, a I'm an alcoholic. I, I, should, I shouldn't be in bars, you know what I mean? It just, I, I don't belong here necessarily, but when I think of things that are funny, I want to put them together and like make people laugh whether there's alcohol or not, you know what I mean? So thanks for letting me come, you, just you. No. That creepy? Where's the creepy remark? Yeah, it gets creepy sometimes. Is there a ring on that finger? Probably sh should be. 46 years old? There probably should be, right? If there's not, something's maybe not right about this guy. Should we move on? It's 10 minutes. I better start moving. How are you guys doing? Do you like it here or here or here? God, it's a beautiful stage. One more story about six years ago. I kissed the stage. I thought I was retiring back then before I left. Dave was here. What a crazy person. So, 
<laughs> Look forward to kissing someone tonight after I kiss the stage. No, I'm kidding. Unplanned joke. That was hilarious. I'll make some notes real quick. That was funny. Okay, uh, anyways, can I tell you a story? Uh, three days ago, my doctor fired me. <laughs> That's inappropriate, right? Can I tell you about that? Does it sound right? Your doctor can't fire you. That's not mad. that's messed up. May I tell the story? Is anyone enthusiastic? Healthcare? Can we talk about healthcare finally? I've been wanting to talk about healthcare all night. Me and the Democrats. I'm unregistered, but I, I don't know. Different, different story. So uh, a few days ago, it was a beautiful day between rains, gorgeous. I woke up feeling amazing. Feel, I felt great. Perfect. Call the doctor. I need help. Made an appointment. That's not really funny that yet, but it's a little weird, right? Ma'am, help me out. I'm going to tell the rest right here with you. No, I'm not. Creepy? Creepy. Creepy. Give me the creepy every once in a while. Just create, create, easy, create, easy. Uh, so, go to the doctor's office. Did I say it was a beautiful day yet? Gorgeous. Oh, loved it. Felt great. Went in the office, dank, cold, dark, horrible. I signed my name. I sat down. It was so cold, the AC blaring, I felt, I started feeling sick. So I went up to the uh, attendant, I said, hey, can you turn the AC down? It's, I almost feel like I'm getting sick. She said, calm down, sir. Just uh, have a seat, we'll, we'll see you soon. Like, they finally um, ushered me into the healing zone, right? Uh, back there in the office, waited some more, shivering. The nurse comes in, hi, Bill, um, drop your pants. Oh, that's a fantasy. That's not what would happen. <laughs> I totally messed that up, sorry. She didn't do that. That was strange, right away from the nurse. Usually the doctor does that type of thing. I'm gonna get a quick drink here. So she said, hi Bill, um, we're gonna just take, take some blood, roll up your sleeve type of thing. I said, not today. She said, what? I said, I've been thinking about it. I've been thinking about health a little bit. And I decided I think it's better to keep my blood inside my body <laughs> and not give it to you. <laughs> she was ticked, hiding it, ticked, stormed out. Doctor comes in a few, a few minutes later, holding it back. So, hi, Bill. How's it going? I'm fine, Doc. So, uh, Nurse uh, Johnson was saying, uh, you're not willing to give blood today. Uh, what's going on? I told him the story. I said, Doc, I've been meditating on health. I, I don't think giving blood is going to be healthy for me today. I think I should keep it. He was dead. But he let it slide. He said, Bill, we're going to let you slide on that today, but we will need a stool sample. I said, what? He said, yes, we're going to need a little sliver of your feces. I said, Doc, there might be a problem. I don't have to go to the bathroom, so this may not work. That's fine. We're going to send you home with a packet. You can uh, put us a little sliver in the mail for us. I said, Doc, now is a good time to tell you something my father told me. And his father told him, hey, by the way, my dad used to sit right over there. He passed away December 2017. He was a stalwart uh, comedy fan. He used to sit there, Dave knows, four times in a row. So John Watkins, give him a quick hand. And, uh, kind of representing, we have a John right here. He lived on my father's street. So that's John right there. Thanks, Dave. But uh, so I told Doc, I said, this is a family tradition. It's sort of this uh, motto we have. Um, I don't take no shit, and I don't give no shit either. And he said, Bill, get out of here, you're fired. I said, what? He said, get your ass out of here. I said, F you. He said, F you. And I kicked the ground, and I stormed out of the office. 
You're like, it's pretty sexy. Is it sexy back there? Yeah. 46? It's still, it's decent. Sorry about that. I was putting my thing in her face. It's not right. So I stormed out. I just kicked the ground. I left the place dank and horrible. Went outside. Beautiful day. It felt amazing. I felt better right away. Exciting, beautiful day. I hit my knees. I said, thank you, God. I did a quick prayer. I became a Christian scientist. I don't go to doctors anymore. Fuck that shit. <laughs> <laughs> no more. So quickly, I want to say hi to people more intimately. It's kind of a thing I do um, midway through. Um, how are you doing? I'm gonna. How, how are you doing? <coughs> All good. Yeah. Um, where do you hail from? Costa. Stolen Native American land. Yeah. Me too. That's cool. We should. We should hook up. <laughs> That's cool. That's cool. Hey, how are you guys doing tonight? Pretty good. I may have met them before. So, uh, where do you guys hail from? Where are y'all? Pasadena. Pasadena? Um, stolen Native American land, like John. Hang out, you and I. This is a, they, we have members of the Native American community here in, in various places. Give that a hand real quick. Native American. That's for real. But let's see what up. See if we can come up with something different here. Where are y'all from? Riverside. Stolen Native American land. You wish it all. We should all get together at some point. It's worth thinking about. No. No. It's not for me creeping to her. Maybe. Maybe ruder. No. Okay. We love you. Paid. Welcome. Uh, so. Uh, Anyways, it's weird. We've done some, our country screwed up, the government at least, since the beginning. It's founded on Native American blood, we know that, and we had slaves, and it's not good. Did we ever pay that 40 acres and a mule thing, by the way? Was that ever paid out? Sherman, about 12, got that, and we just stopped it. Since we, real quick, since we know each other real well and trust each other, I wondered if I could get a show of hands. Who descends from slave owners? Anyone? Who, who descends from slave owners? I'm the only one? I'm the only one. Probably. Probably. God bless. You know, just the honesty. Not for owning slaves, but just the honesty. You gotta admit it first, and then we can take care of it. Let's pay that 40 acres in the mule someday. What do you think? Um, get down on that. Make some reparations and amends. She's pretty cute. I might get creepy in a minute. It might happen. Uh, so we're screwed up. Let me have a, I want to have breaking news from history. Have you ever heard of that? Breaking news. I want to tell you guys something that happened in history. Um, the Central Intelligence Agency, you know, the CIA, a quick drink on this one. <laughs> they killed John F. Kennedy in 1963. So that's breaking. <laughs> Anyways, we're screwed up. The point is we're screwed up. And uh, someone mentioned it earlier. I think it was Eric. Uh, we've got problems. We messed up a lot. I don't think it's necessarily Adam and Eve. May have been the, the forbidden fruit. That, would, that was a Jewish tradition. Maybe that's where we, we started going astray. I like to look at Samuel. And I want to end by reflecting on uh, the prophet Samuel, who was cool. And the Jewish people liked him. He was a prophet, and he was cool. His sons were jerks, though. They were dicks. Samuel's sons were, were not so cool. So the people were worried. They were worried that after Samuel died, these dickheads, excuse me, is that fair? They were not nice, they would take over. So they said, Samuel, can you go ask God so we can have a king, so we can be like the other nations? Samuel said, oh boy, God's not gonna like that. He went up the hill, he said, God, the people want a king, they wanna be like the other nations. I'm so sorry to say, God said, Sam, don't worry about that. They're not rejecting you, they're rejecting me. You go down, you give them a king, and they went to Saul, got Saul or something like that. 
but also tell them that when they have a king, he's going to be corrupt. He's going to be terrible. He's going to take 20% for this, 20% for that. He's going to put his brother here, his sister here. It's going to be corrupt and horrible. And you're going to complain. And on that day, I'm not going to listen to you. So I'm going to end with a prayer, and I'm going to reverse the curse. If you guys, let's do a quick applause. Let's reverse the curse that we've been under having human kings. We shouldn't have human kings. I think we should go back to, you know, maybe the higher power. So just give it a break. Yeah, come on. We started one. Something might happen. That's good. Let me kiss the stage. <laughs> well, that, I needed my last drink right here. Oh, um, God, we're dickheads. We're losers. We're not smart. And uh, we messed up so much. Uh, I'm not going to complain because you said you wouldn't listen. And we did. So let's get that out of there. I have a declaration to make. It's one, one thing and one thing only. Oh my God, be our king again. How was Bill? Was he good? Hi. Was Bill good? I'm gonna go, or did you see where he went? Okay, nice to see you guys. Thank you, I love you all. It's been fun. Part sermon, part TED talk, part <laughs> cult indoctrination, part psychotic break. All hilarious. Bill the comment. Okay. Um, yeah, okay. Probably the last beat I'm gonna do. That's okay. Let's see. Um, uh, I think I was like really special. Uh, special power. I can actually tell everything I need to know about a person by what instrument they play in band. You guys don't believe me? Uh, do we go? Okay. Do we have any uh, flute girls? Woo! Flute girls? Uh, no flute girls. Clarinet girls. What? You guys are always getting laid and shit in high school. Fuck <laughs> you guys, dude. I think I think the reason I remember uh, I remember band is I, I played the trombone. Uh, I play the trombone, so I because I, I like to just do that like sad trombone sound, like the wah 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 wah. It's a sad trombone sound. You guys know it, right? Yeah. Um, another reason I think I remember uh, band is when I was in fourth grade. Uh, I was in band class on the East Coast, and uh, that's when 9/11 happened. So we actually were watching it live, like in band class. Uh, I remember the. I remember like watching the second plane hit the tower. It was, it was really awkward in there until I went, That's my favorite joke. Um, I used to, me and my ex-girlfriend, uh, we used to be in some really, uh, really freaky shit. Uh, we used to use uh, Christmas lights, like angle beads. And I'd, I'd stand next to the outlet and she'd put them on my ass until the room was dark. <laughs> she'd uh, she'd rip them all out at once like she was starting a lawnmower. <laughs> Merry Christmas. North Carolina. Uh, I really like peas. Uh, I think I'd make a good bee. Not like a queen, just a regular one. OK. 
Hey, you guys don't like bee humor. Uh, I know when to buzz off. You don't have to tell me. Um, he was talking about pet peeves earlier. I, I actually have a pet peeve. Uh, I hate I hate when people brag. I hate like being trapped in a conversation with someone who's bragging. Uh, the other guy was talking to another comedian actually. He was just bragging to me about how strong he was. Just a big strong man telling me how strong he was. And it's not even that strong. But like okay, part part of his evidence and how strong he was, he was like, um, my little brother is very naturally strong, and I'm even stronger than him. A grown adult was telling me he's stronger than his brother. Okay. You guys like strong dudes out here, I guess, is what it is. <laughs> All right. Um, okay, I, I gotta get out of here pretty soon, but uh, I, I, I just want to tell you guys, um, I uh, had a pretty big adult milestone. Finally, my mom stopped paying for my phone bill. I give it up for you guys. Thank you. Her funeral was on Friday. You guys had sixty dollars right about That would be super chill. Okay, thank you guys for listening to me on my. Oh, no, 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 that shit is not comedy. That shit is hate speech against human race as a whole. It's hateful. Get the fuck out of my club. Never come back here again, you piece of shit. Uh, and all the other comedians got up and I was like, oh, are they going to support me? They were all like applauding for him. Like, fuck you, get the fuck out of here. And uh, a month later, I showed up uh, to sign up for the audition again. They were like, hey, is this your first time here? And I was like, fuck yeah. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Of course it is. I just came from Chechakukakia two weeks ago, you know? Um, I'm from Turkey. Anybody know where that is? Yeah. Oh, fuck. See, it's catching up a little bit. But uh, last week I was doing comedy for people much dumber than you. Uh, and I told them it was in Africa because I wrote a joke about Africa. And I fucking killed, you know? So, like, you know, it's nice. It's a Middle Eastern country, uh, in case you guys were bluffing. <laughs> it's a Middle Eastern country. It tried not to be for a long time. It tried, you know? But it's hard when you're there. It's not a region that's very, oh, just do your own thing, man, you know? It's not a, uh, you know, it's not a very, oh, you guys let your strangers see your women's flesh? That's cool kind of region, <laughs> you know? Oh, you better than even your woman? They're like a separate person. They can drive? They, they drive their own car? Fascinating. They, they're not like that. They don't appreciate that kind of stuff, you know? It's not the kind of region you can park your country and you're gonna have human rights, you know, so... It's, you know, it's the kind of region where if your girlfriend's like, I'm gonna go trekking in the east, you know, she might just come back with other clitoris, you know? Mm. It's like... Uh, I haven't lied once to you yet, that's the fucked up thing about ah, what, what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But we try to be in Europe, you know? I, I lie and say we're in Europe anyway, because not everybody's as smart as you guys, you know? Uh, you guys Wikipedia and stuff, you know? Not everybody does that. 
we tried the European Union, you know, because at first when they were, you know, established, we were like, oh, they're too good for us. But then they accepted Greece, so we were like, oh, you can't be poor and lazy then. <laughs> so we, 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 we were like, we will try our fucking money too, you know? Uh, but then they were like, ah, ah, not so fast, not so fast. Okay? First of all, uh, your primary method of abortion can't be pushing your wife down the steps. Okay? Uh, we know it's consensual, but like, like when doctors do it, it's like human and shit, it's like a big thing of us. Uh, and we were like, but then doctors will touch our wives' vaginas. I know this doesn't fucking make sense to you guys, but that's the end of Listen, I want to be relatable today, but I can't change, so, you know, I'll settle for evil. <laughs> you know, so yeah, uh, but like we said, uh, you know what, they're gonna pay us in euros, so fuck it, we'll like, let doctors, you know, some doctors were murdered, but like, we adjusted. So, you know, we got back and they were like, oh shit, impressive, we were kind of hoping you would not do it and we don't have to see you again, but okay. Uh, they were like, okay, well next, uh, can you guys stop sexually harassing tourists, please? Because they're people. <laughs> and. We said, like, we, that's when I told, I was like, okay, that's it, we're not going to try anymore, probably. No one's going to stop that shit, you know? And everybody was like, we can't stop harassing tourists because our local women are unharassable. See, they, they developed immunity to us. What they do is they beat the shit out of us when we harass them or send their cousins to stab us. So, like, like it's a safety issue. It's not safe to harass anymore. Like, you know, we can't, we can't do it, but they were like, ah, nude beaches, no visa, come get it, you backward fucking savages. So we were like, all right, I guess there's no beaches near now, some tits, all right, cool, we'll do it. So we tried that, uh, and then they pulled this thing on us. Parents, because they might not chill, let's see. Ah. Uh, This is all it's going to be for like the next five minutes. Keep raising eyebrows until I get a reaction. That's so funny. Um, I guess I'll just tell you guys that joke—the one that I wasn't going to tell. Uh, I like taking naps because it's like temporarily dying. You guys know what I mean? You guys know what I mean? All your problems go away for a short amount of time, unless you're like me and you realize you're the problem. That's why nothing ever leaves you. And I realized I'll take good naps because I'll see the important events. And when I woke up from a nap, OJ was out of jail. I don't know why, but that makes white people laugh. I should got paid with an STD confession. Which, like, if you guys didn't see that coming, like, come on, no one was going to see it coming. His intro to Bert was literally him having a conversation with a telephone operator. She's like, no, that can't be true. So you know that was kind of given. And uh, the last thing that happened was the lead singer of Lincoln Park did that thing he did. <laughs> of blaming of the video games. You guys look all pretty young. You see this? Doesn't that bother you? Yeah. It bothers the heck out of me. Because I grew up playing video games from a very young age. And I would like to say that our video games did make us more violent. They prepared us for life. Right? Remember Tetris? 
Tetris was the ultimate preparation for life. Because you couldn't win. <laughs> it just kept getting harder and faster until you were crushed under the weight of your own failure. <laughs> right? But we learned every single person in this room has packed up a U-Haul truck or something. Who should give the credit to? Tetris. Was mad Tetris too, right? That's right. Because they taught you skills and it influenced your personality. Right? I think board games are kind of the same way too. We were babysitting our nephews and he wanted to play a board game, and the six-year-old went to the board game closet and pulled out Monopoly. He's like, let's play Monopoly. And I was like, okay, cool. And my wife came over, she's like, he's way too young to play Monopoly. I'm like, you are never too young to learn the personal finance lessons that come with Monopoly, right? <laughs> that lesson being, if you make enough money, you don't ever have to go to jail. <laughs> right? Hey, you acquire enough of these properties, doesn't even matter how you get them, you might grow up to be president. Thank you. But uh, no, she came over and she's like, no, 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 we're gonna play my favorite board game. Sorry. And she pulls out. Remember, sorry. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. Sorry. It's not that it's a bad game. It was just four years of marriage. I had never heard her use that fucking word before. <laughs> Caught me off guard. <laughs> I'm not religious. I don't know if you guys are religious. I was raised Catholic. I'm not going to make fun of them. I think any organization that gives wine to children has the world figured out. <laughs> Obviously. Um, yeah. It's always shocking me when people. My bloodstream. <laughs> That's not good. Ideally, all napkins should be sanitary. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on? Right? Just telling you the truth. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, you know, water always takes the path of least resistance. And that's why I've never respected water. <laughs> but uh, no two snowflakes are exactly alike. Once you get to know them. <laughs> Thanks a little work. I, uh, I went to college, and while I was in college, I, I heard, uh, well, I had some mental problems. I heard voices in my head telling me to hurt myself. But they were very clever voices. They said, get a liberal arts degree. <laughs> a, a knife wound would have healed by now. <laughs> but you... You can't get rid of a degree in here. <laughs> it follows you around, goes on your resume right after the felony. So I moved to, I moved to Hollywood, and I said, hello, Hollywood. I'm trained at this. And Hollywood, in unison, said, uh, why don't you tempt? <laughs> and one of the reasons I tempt so much is I don't want to be tied down to a health plan. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be able to go to any free clinic. Uh, there's five kids in my family, which right away tells me my parents are Catholic and underachievers. Was it back in the day that meant you didn't like children? Uh, and uh, you know, when you have that many kids, it's a different dynamic in the family. Like I remember my dad gathers all together. He said, "I will always love." The vast majority of you. And then, and then he said, each of you is like the tires in a car. 
And I realized, as the fifth child, I am despair. <laughs> when you have that many, you can't, you can't fly. You can't fly with a family like that, right? You gotta drive everywhere. And we would go on these long vacations and we, you know, while away the hours playing little games, you know, like, uh, I spy with my eyes, something starts with a letter J or something, you know. And I would always lose because I was in the trunk. <laughs> I see a jack. <laughs> uh, let's see. I, um, I, uh, let's see. First of all, I just want to say this. If I've learned anything in my 28 years, <laughs> it's that there's no point in lying about your age. <laughs> no, actually, I, I, do, I uh, divide my life into before I turned 34 and after I killed that guy. It's <laughs> a nice delineation. You know, if a tree falls in the forest and there's no one there to hear it, you have found the perfect spot for a murder. <laughs> Creepy. Something I learned in 35. <laughs> uh, do, do you guys know half plus seven? This is a way you can figure out how much, uh, how young you can, how young of a person you can date. You take your age, you divide it in half, add seven. So I'm 49, that's 24 and a half. I had seven, that's 31 and a half, which I round down to 18. <laughs> to be safe. Creepy. Uh, there are there are um, women. This is the same rule applies to women, and, and there are women in there who uh, want to date 